Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blades Experience once again. You are joining us for episode 87 today, and this episode is going to be about Borderlands, the pre-sequel. So I'm your host, Derek, as always, and we have talked about Borderlands once in the past. We talked about Borderlands 1. We're doing the same thing we did for that and the Borderlands pre-sequel here. Basically, um, I'm going to be playing through Borderlands 2 as well. We did it in chronological order, so I'm going to be doing a retrospective episode on each of these games. And then I'll also do one on the Tales from the Borderlands uh, series as well. Or technically it's one game, but it's a series of episodes. So I'm going to do one on each of those. So you will see a Borderlands 2 uh, retrospective at some point. But we're here to do the pre-sequel retrospective because I have just recently finished that game on stream. So we're going to talk about uh, thoughts on that, the characters, the enemies, the storyline, all that stuff about the game. And just kind of dig into all of it. But before we do that, a couple of news items at the top of the show. Our next podcast is going to be on State of Decay 2. We uh, possibly were going to have one this week, but I had to travel midweek, so unfortunately I didn't have time to uh, get some of the research done that I wanted to get done for the episode. So instead, we are doing this episode now because I didn't really have to do a ton of research for this one since I played the whole game. So uh, that's kind of why this is um, taking place instead of the State of Decay episode. So that is probably going to happen next week instead. Our next stream is actually going to be Sunday, 12 to 4 Eastern. That is going to be our first entry into the Borderlands 2 story. And on that stream, I'll be picking my character. Uh, chat, if you want to, you know, jump in and kind of give me your thoughts on what character I should pick, then, you know, be there right at 12 because that's, you know, around when I'm going to pick my character. I already have some ideas on who I might like, but, um, you know, maybe somebody will convince me otherwise. And on Monday, we're going to have the Game Pass Revisited Game of the Month. Uh, right now in the votes, that is Life is Strange leading that. So if that did win the vote, then we would play Life is Strange before the storm. So we already finished season one. So that's what we play on Monday if that won the vote. And on Tuesday is going to be another State of Decay doubleheader. So we're going to do a 12 to 4 Eastern stream of State of Decay 2. And then a night stream of 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. State of Decay 2 as well. So it's going to be two streams in the same day for State of Decay. And that's kind of our schedule next week. But we are here to talk the pre-sequel, so let's kind of get into that. And to help us get into that, we have a guest coming back for the third time. He's kind of the resident uh, Borderlands guy in the podcast. Please welcome back to the show, Zombie Killer Ma. How are you, Zombie? Good, good. How are you? Glad to be back. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back. You know, we had a fun time talking about uh, Borderlands 1, so we're here to talk about the pre-sequel as well. Yep. Can't wait. And I think, except for like... I think there's only one stream you didn't join me on for all of Borderlands that I played. So there's like one stream for Borderlands 1 I did at night that you didn't join me on. And that's literally the only stream. So you've been there for every stream I've done for Borderlands. Yeah. Because if I had joined that one, I probably would have fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, that was a stream I did when I was trying to level up to get closer to you. So <laughs> Yeah. But um, the pre-sequel. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the pre-sequel that's different than the first game. Technically speaking, this came out after the second game. But as I said at the start of the show... Um, I wanted to do it chronologically because I think that gives the best, you know, story doing it chronologically when I haven't played any of the games yet. So we're working up to Borderlands 3, which is coming out later this year, and I wanted to do it chronologically. That way I get the sense of the story right through like that. So I think that's a better way to do the story that way. So, you know, Borderlands 2 is coming up next, but um, what did you think of the pre-sequel overall? Um, overall, the pre-sequel in its own way is, it's it's interesting, so to, so to say, because it takes a new like twist on the on Borderlands. Obviously you beat it. Like it being on a moon called Elpis, 
which is Pandora's Moon. I know I we didn't mention that in the stream, but that's what that's what the planet we're on is called. It's called Elpis, and it's Pandora's Moon. Yeah, and that's probably not the best choice of name for it, honestly, because you know some people might joke that this game was Elpis. So. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there was a lot, obviously a lot of people like dislike this game, and one of the reasons for this was because of how bad the loot was, and it was really appalling how bad the loot was compared to the, like, like obviously when we get to Borderlands Two, you see a major difference in that, and obviously in the first game you obviously see a major difference in all that as well because hell, we got legendary in that one, <laughs> in this one not so much. Yeah. I mean, the pre-sequel, I played through the entire game. I didn't get one legendary weapon at all. Yeah. One. I didn't. It, it, it's The loot's that bad. You just get a bunch of purples, and after time, the purples aren't even for you. They're for a different class. And it's just, oh, well, I can sell this, but how does this help me going forward? Newsflash, it doesn't. Yeah, the best gun I got in the pre-sequel was, um, it was, like, on the final mission we were playing, and, um... Tanda's actually, who's playing with us, he opened a crate and found this, like, unicorn gun, and he basically found that and dropped it for me. That's the best gun I got the entire game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gun that I got given to you was the best weapon. That says a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't even find it myself. Like, he found it in a crate. He's like, well, I don't need this. You want to try it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that gun is awesome, though. I think it was called, like, the Boomicorn or, like, something like that. I don't know, something crazy. Yeah, it basically... Like it a basically... unicorn shotgun. Yeah, it shot unicorns, basically. <laughs> I know it makes no sense whatsoever, but this is Borderlands. Anything makes sense in the world of Borderlands. But hey, it's better than the guns I had, so I, I used it for the final mission, and you know, it, it works. <laughs> yeah, it did. Oh, man. But obviously, um, you know, before we get into the story, we do have some characters for Borderlands, so do you want to talk um, playable characters first, or you want to talk enemies first? Um... It's up to you, really. It's up to you, really. Like, which ones you prefer? All right, let's talk about some of the playable characters first. Let's go with that. So, okay. Um, I know three of these fairly well because um, I play one character, you play one, and then Tan has played one for most of the time he was with us. But there's a couple of these that I didn't try or didn't see at all. So we can kind of start with them, and you can kind of uh help us, you know, learn about what these characters are. So, the first one, um, we did see this character in the first game. But they weren't playable in the second in this game. They were playable, so that's claptrap. Yeah, um, claptrap is claptrap basically. As um, <laughs> as we saw in the first game, it's just basically claptrap. Uh, claptraps are basically really like dull-minded is the word we call them. Dull-minded is a better word to call them. Basically, they're stupid. There's the insulting word for them. Um, but this particular claptrap, basically, what happened was obviously he got guilt-tripped into doing this, thinking he was doing the whole world a favour by Jack. He got guilt-tripped into it, and he fell for it, like the Claptraps always do, because they're always kind-hearted about stuff and always want to be the hero, want to prove themselves. And this is why Claptraps on Elpis is because he got guilt-tripped into coming. I think he had something to prove. Yeah, and honestly, uh, Claptraps pretty funny, but... From what I hear, the character that's playable isn't the best character. Um, I guess his special, it, like, rotates through several specials throughout the game. So, basically, his um special skill or whatever, if you use it, it gives you a random special skill throughout, like, the series of the game. So, basically, you don't know what you're getting when you use it. And to me, that kind of, I wouldn't really like that. Because, I mean, I want to know what I'm getting when I use my special. 
Yeah, I I had a bit of like testing out with that, and yeah, it is completely random what you get. Like you go into your skills things, and normally you know what you have, and you know how to like you know how to neutralize this really well. But the minute you have claptraps on, it's completely random what you get. Completely random. So you have to basically adjust your playstyle into whatever skill, whatever like ultimate builds that you get. And it, it does get. It is really annoying. Like I wish they hadn't have done that because if they would have kept to one skill, then it would have been ten times better for claptrap. Yeah, I guess story wise, it kind of makes sense because he is a machine. So maybe he was able to like download yeah. how to do all these skills and, but. I mean, he's considered the mistake, is what they call him, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just never <laughs> really want to use him, so. Yeah. Uh, all the Vol Hunters that are on Elpis basically don't like Claptrap. Nobody in this series likes Claptrap, because as they would would call it, he's annoying. And it should be, it's basically a mistake that shouldn't have never been created, according to Jack. So, but it's also as well as, I think the reason he has all these random abilities that happen is because he over-prepared himself, and in having something to prove, this is why he has so many of those traits. Because he downloaded too many of them, and he wants to prove himself that he has all these different abilities that he can use, that he's actually worth keeping in the group, do you know what I mean? I think that's what the story is with that. Yeah, I mean, I can see why they wouldn't like him, really, because, like, <laughs> he wouldn't really be you know seem like a normal vault hunter, so... I guess it makes sense story wise why they really like. Yeah. What, what is this guy doing here? Like, so. it, it, it's weird. It, it, it's just weird. Like you say, that's like, just like you wouldn't think that claptrap that you saw in Firestone at the start of the first game became a vault hunter. You, you just would. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, claptrap is what it is. Like if you use him, then great, good for you, I guess. But <laughs> I, I would never use him personally. Yeah. But we do have another character that. Um, I did learn about a little bit in the story of uh, the pre-sequel, but I didn't actually see anyone play them, and that is uh, the Jack Doppelganger character. Okay, so Jack Doppelganger is basically uh, this Hyperion uh, like nerd engineer, right? And the reason he put, got put into this experiment is because, from what I found out, he was basically behind on his rents. So, in order to repay the debts that he had, he basically put himself forward for this thing. He didn't know what he was getting into until he was told there and then, which you can find from the echologues that we obviously did in the story, which we find in Jack's office. Basically, he said he got randomly put in the surgery. And obviously, you can tell from the audio files that we listened to that he didn't expect what was told to him, that, oh, you're going to have this random surgery to become Jack. Now, anyone in Hyperion who basically, basically admire like, Jack. Because, obviously, he's this guy who can flirt with the ladies and get everyone else and stuff like that. So, everybody in Hyperion kind of wants to be Jack, in a way. So, to do this in a way would be an honour, but at the same time, it's like, well, I'm basically throwing my life away for the next six years, five years. I can't remember the exact year for it. But, basically, it was meant to be a doppelganger to stop the real Jack from getting executed in case any assassins ever wanted to try to kill him. Yeah, so basically you're just putting yourself in harm's way to be the guy that gets shot and such a day. Yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't really sign up for that, but I mean, you know, more power to this. Uh, I think his name was like Tom or Tim or something like that. But, Timothy. Hey, Timothy, yeah, there you go. So, so hey, you know, hopefully uh, Timothy's enjoying his uh, time as Jack. <laughs> Yeah. But do you know what um the Doppelganger's power is? Um the Doppelganger's power for me, 
It's, I've, I tested it out. It's really overpowered, actually. And I think you'd love it. Basically, he summons um, some decoys of himself that are damage decoys. And basically what they do is not only take damage, but they deal that damage back at, uh, at other people. And if you get to his ultimate ability at the end of his skill trees, one of his skill trees will literally have an ability where he could spawn in a badass version of one. Which is the first ever time in the whole series, like, you could ever spawn in a badass, like, character to defend you. Which I thought was very unique for this character. But it's also the fact as well that, obviously, he's playing Jack, and Jack's obviously uh, arrogant and self-centered and stuff like that. And one of the perks that he has as well is the fact that he can, he gains more from his teammates going down than if they're actually up and fighting. And I just like the way they designed the character overall. Interesting. So basically, if we go down, then it actually helps him? Yeah, it benefits him. Yeah, he gets, he gets extra health, damage, all the rest of it. Well, it's kind of interesting cover then. Yeah, it is. So you benefit from your teammates going down and basically dying. It's it's weird, but it works for Jack because he has an ego. And it works really well for him. Fair enough. I mean, it's still not a character that would really work for me that much, but... Um... You know, I think it'll be interesting to play as Jack, though, even though it's technically a doppelganger. I think it'll be still interesting to, you know, hear the voice lines and hear, like, you know, Jack talking, even though it's not really Jack. Well, you listen to the voice lines of obviously Jack doing it, but it's Timothy. In his heart, it's Timothy trying to talk. And there's these moments with, like, Moxie, where <laughs> if you're talking to her, like, to her as him, he gets really flustered. And it'll break, it'll break back into Timothy, but with Jack's voice. So it'll be really shy and like, uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, hey. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a really awkward thing like that. <laughs> and there's, I think there's one point where, when you realize that obviously, like, you see Moxie completely out of character at one point. And I'm pretty sure we'll talk about that a bit more later, but basically, when he, when he sees her out of character, it's even though it's like, oh my god, you're even, you're even more prettier outside of character. He's like, Oh god, don't tell me Jess anything like just oh god, please marry me. Like that like that kind of like oh god <laughs> moment and it's just like I loved it. I loved it because it's Timothy trying to play somebody he's not and it's funny because it's in Jack's voice. Right. <laughs> and it just makes me laugh. <laughs> and that's kind of the cool thing though, is you know, all these characters have their own personality sort of, so it's cool to see the different personalities come out like that. Yeah. Each character has their own way of interacting with uh, the world around them. Which I found really cool, because in the first game, your characters never spoke. Yeah, that's actually true. The first game, your characters really don't speak at all. So, I didn't even think about that until right now, but that's true. Yeah. In this one, they do. And the best ones, in my opinion, is when Nish is talking. Because she... like Pardon my French when I say this, but she's a real bitch. Throughout the whole thing. To Moxie, especially. Who is? Nisha. The bounty hunter. Well, I guess we can get into her next then. I mean, I was going to go to somebody else, but we'll, we'll go to her first. So, um, who is Nisha then? So, Nisha is a bounty hunter. And she basically went around and got bounties for like, all the chefs' departments in Pandora and stuff like that. But then one day, she was like, I'm bored. I'm, I'm bored of this. So, when Hyperion came calling and Jack heard about how good this bounty hunter was, she was hiding. She went, script. I've got nothing better to do. I'll go to the moon and I'll hunt a vault. It's great. <laughs> kind of odd, but you know, it's not like a normal choice most people would make. But yeah, exactly. Like she was bored of doing a, ba- a bounty hunter job, so she went, "Script, you are. I'll go to. The- I'll go to the moon and I'll do whatever this random Hyperion like job wants me to do." 
it, it, but throughout this whole thing as well, like, we know we didn't get to hear most of the voice lines because none of us played Nisha. I mean, Tanda's played Nisha, but we didn't hear the voice lines because half yeah. the time you were, even me or you were activating the missions for our voice lines to be spoken rather than his. Um, right. So, throughout this whole thing, she develops a thing with Jack. Like, she loves Jack at the end of this. I'll just say that. Interesting. They get they get together at the end of this. Just saying, like that's like, like that's like the comics and stuff like that. They get they get together canonly for this whole thing. Um, and basically, she admires him from day one. Like she loves the way Jack does things, which is basically the oh, I'm gonna be really arrogant, and as long as you're not like you know pissing around, you're fine with by me. But if you're pissing me around or leading me this wrong way, I'm gonna have you killed, and I'm going to kill you, and I'm gonna show no remorse about it. And it's especially true. When, obviously, you hear Jack on about, obviously, his ex, which used to be Moxie. And then her, and Anisha go over and basically call her, Oh, look, it's a sad, depressing, slutty clown, is the correct word she calls her. And I take it Moxie doesn't really like that that much? Yeah. She basically just goes, Oh, well, that's a really nice, lovely introduction, isn't it? Yeah, so she immediately hates her right off the bat. And I'm just like, wow, all right then. <laughs> just listen to these voice lines. She's just like this no-nonsense type of character that's just like, I don't care. I'll just say something offensive, and I don't care. It doesn't affect me. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, she was never really a choice option for me at all, because she's considered, you know, the gunslinger type of class, and that's not really um, something that I subscribe to as much. So that's not, like, you know, my type of style as much. So for me, this was never even an option, but yeah. it's interesting to hear kind of her story a little bit like that, because um, I know Tandas likes her, but to me, like, she was probably my last choice. Like, out of all six playable characters, she's the last one I would I think the reason Tannis likes her as well is because... <coughs> I remember him saying that he's not that accurate when it comes to most stuff. She has... Her, her ability is basically being able to auto-aim enemies and shoot them. And she basically locks onto each enemy as she's killing them. So you kill an enemy, she'll lock onto the nearest one, and it'll just be a lock on constantly, so you'll never miss a bullet. But isn't her special kind of bad though? Because we haven't talked about her special yet. I've heard that her special isn't the greatest one. Uh, that that is a special. That, that's oh, basically that it. Special. That that is the special. Yeah, she basically just sits there, locks onto enemies. I think what I read um, at some point is that her special can sometimes get you in trouble because it locks onto an enemy you don't want to lock onto. Yeah, it, it'll do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's exactly that. So you might be the wanting to kill like the major boss, for example. Say, for example, you're versus like a boss, and you lock on to that boss, but then you accidentally press a button, you lock onto another enemy. You're gonna stay locked to that enemy while this boss is killing you in your vaults. So you're literally screwed because you can't aim back until you've killed that one enemy, and it's like a really like stiff, just like turn. It isn't just like a free aim where you can free aim it around. It's just like it's just stiff turning constantly. And it's really annoying, especially because it can get you in trouble, especially if you're versing bosses, because you don't have any peripheral vision around you. You have to rely on your teammates to cover you while you're doing it. Yeah, so to me, I wouldn't really like that that much, but I mean, you know, I guess Tandas enjoys it, so I, I, I guess, enough. you know, yeah. <laughs> good for you, Tandas, though. So. <laughs> yeah. But one of the other characters that Tandas use, I probably do like this character a little bit more, and this is a character that I actually did almost choose, and that is... Uh, Aurelia, or uh, considered the Baroness. Yeah. Aurelia is um, this cryomancer. And she has this shard that she throws around, and basically she freezes all of her enemies. And basically when you throw this shard, and this is a special ability, when she's throwing this shard, it'll stay on that enemy until they've frozen to death. 
and it'll move on to the next enemy. So it'll ricochet throughout all of them. Until she's killed as many as it's possible before the thing runs out. Um, but her backstory is, she's the sister, not the wife. A lot of people mistake that. She's the sister of Sir Havelock. And Sir Havelock is someone you'll, you'll meet very early on in Borderlands 2. Like, you'll meet him almost, like, immediately. It's, like, one of the first people that you meet. Like, Claptrap, for example. He's, like, it's one of the first people that you'll meet and all the rest of it, but... Um, okay, so I wouldn't know him yet, but a lot of people listening to this would probably know him. Yeah, a lot of people probably know him already, yeah. But, obviously, when we play on Sunday with Borderlands 2, you'll meet him ver- fairly quickly. So you'll get to know who he is right off the bat. Uh, but, basically, she came to uh, Elpis because of scientific purposes, so to speak. She doesn't really let on why fully. She she was there, but she basically she's a gluten for money. So she took the money and she was like, "Okay, what do you want me to do? I want you to go to the moon." Okay, I'm getting paid all this money. Great. Okay, I'll go. I don't care whose life is I hurt. I'll just go there because obviously I want this money. She's basically really greedy and arrogant and stuff like that, which is the complete opposite to when you obviously meet obviously her brother in the second game. The complete opposites to each other. But. As she's described, if you watch something like the gameplay page, she's described as being very cold-blooded. Where she's not really caring about who she kills as long as the money pays. Essentially, she's like a bandit who basically has a shard that can freeze people. That's the best way to sum her up. Interesting. Yeah, because I mean, I think that freeze power is something that I would personally enjoy. And that's kind of why I sort of gravitated to her. But then I kind of like looked into her more. I'm like, eh, I don't really know if that's the character for me. I, I think there's somebody else for me, so. Yeah. But did you ever use her a lot yourself? Uh, no, I didn't really, because I had my favourite character from the get-go, because obviously I loved one of the characters. And I don't know if we're going on to my character or your character next, but that's fine by yeah, me. Yeah, we, we can go on to your character, so uh, let's talk about your character. Who's your character? Okay, so I, I love Athena in this. I love Athena, because obviously she's no nonsense. She's like, okay, but like, I'm not going to take any shit from anybody, basically. Part of a French again, but... Uh, she has this, like, attitude where it's just like, I'm not gonna make friends. I'm simply here because on my contract it says I have to do this. And her motto is basically loyalty above everything else to the mission. Not to people, to the mission. It's specific. To the mission. So she doesn't care about creating these friendships with people. If anything, all the people that she's with, she she doesn't care. They're just associates. And once these are gone, she wipes her hands clean of them. She's just like, okay, I wipe my hands clean of these people. I don't care. I'm just here because in my contract it says I've got to go to Elpis. I've got to help this guy called Handsome Jack out. And I've got to just do this. And it's just loyalty to the mission above everything else. And that's her motto. And that is her motto, especially because in the first game, Athena used to be one of the uh, Dahl Corporation assassins who were the enemies for the first game. And she went and betrayed General Knox, because this is the first ever time in her arc where she actually had feelings to, obviously, what he was doing wasn't right. Like, killing innocent people wasn't right. And in her book, killing innocent people, unless she's got a justified reason for killing people, she's not going to do it. So that's why she left and obviously betrayed him. But she says it pretty much herself when you listen to her echolog. It's loyalty to the mission, not to people. So if you're doing something I don't like, I'm going to kill you as soon as the contract's done. And then, as well, we move on to, obviously, her special ability. And I love it, because basically, her special ability is... Yeah, her special's really awesome. She throws a shield, 
in front of herself. And this absorbs all the damage in front of her. That, and then when it's thrown out, all that damage, like she throws out the base damage, which is like 35% like of it. But double that from all the damage that has took, that's been took from that shield is thrown into everybody and it ricochets between everything. So basically what they're dealing to you, you deal immediately back at them. But there's different ways you can take her abilities. So you can have her stuff deal less damage, but ricochet more between people. You could have her melee be overpowered and basically cause the targets to bleed and have more melee damage than most people. And also what she could have is basically this thing called a shock tether. And basically what this is, is basically when you unlock this ability, if she's hit by melee by anybody, they'll immediately get electrocuted. Yeah, I've noticed you tend to like those characters that shock people. <laughs> That's kind of your thing. Yeah, because obviously when you have these melee people like Psychos, for example, who come out of like nowhere and try to hit you from behind, they're not going to do anything to you because you're going to shock them immediately and you're going to know they're there because they'll scream like, high heaven, oh, I'm being electrocuted. Well, not necessarily saying that because you wouldn't say that when you're being electrocuted. You wouldn't just scream, oh, I'm being electrocuted. You wouldn't scream that because that'd be stupid. But you could just hear them like basically just screaming. So you immediately know there's people behind you. But it's also just a zone as well. So you, have, you can keep melee people away from you while trying to deal with the people that are further back. And that's what I love about her character is the fact that you're basically able to keep a distance between all your enemies at all times. Yeah, and the cool thing about that too is if you're playing in a team, you can actually help your team out too because you can kind of charge in there first, use your special, and block a lot of damage. Exactly, you can take all the damage right off the bat the minute you walk in, and then you can throw it at an enemy and basically do tons of damage to everybody in the area. Yeah, so when you like charge in first, you know, like I could walk behind you and kind of, you know, be safe that way, and then you can take yeah. all the damage throw it back at them. Exactly. That's exactly how she's planned to work, and she's awesome for it. Does she still work uh, as well in solo, though? Does it still work that well in solo? Yeah, it does. All the damage, keep it in mind, like, when you play in co-op, there's multiple damage, multiple people are going to be shooting multiple of your teammates. So imagine, for example, when we're doing the, obviously, take back Helios missions and stuff like that, which was, like, the main bit of the game and stuff like that. All those enemies that we burst, imagine that on solo and all of them shooting you from the front if you're just camped in the corner. Double that damage. Look how much damage you're immediately doing to everybody in the area. You're gonna wipe out the whole area in a second. Like that's how that's how that's how quickly she can wipe out. Yeah, the that area. makes sense. But one thing we need to touch on touch on as well is that each character starts with a weapon, which didn't start in the last game, but it starts in this game. Each character starts with a different weapon. But those weapons aren't that good, though. So I mean, I don't really think they matter that much, do they? Um, but yeah, I'm just saying, but like each character starts with a weapon, so it's basically to do across. Right. So Wilhelm will start with a shotgun. Um, Athena starts with a rifle, uh, Nisha will start with a sniper rifle, and Claptrap starts with a submachine gun, which, in third use, when I was using it, is really bad. It's awful. And I wanted to get the rid of it as soon as. The submachine gun is awful. There's no point in using it. You'd rather melee all the things in the area. It's that bad. Interesting. And the other two start with one as well, um, the two DLC characters? I think... The Baroness, off the top of my head, starts with uh, a rifle, a sniper rifle, I think. And Jack starts with a uh, submachine gun. So, you're pretty sure that's all of them. That, that's how they start, based off their characters and stuff like that. Because the Baroness, it, it, it's like towards, obviously, like their characters. So, obviously, the uh, Baroness is a hunter, like an animal hunter. Well, if she wanted to, she'd even eat stag. Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how weird she is. She'll eat stag. And it's fine. For yeah, see, I mean, I started with a shotgun, and I'm not really a huge shotgun fan a lot, but the shotgun I started with wasn't that bad, but 
of course, we haven't technically talked about my character yet. So um, exactly, you know, my character. Um, I'll say was Wilhelm, and uh, Wilhelm is a very like serious, but like serious in a funny way guy. I think, and uh, we played his uh, like little backstory several several times in the game because I thought it was hilarious. Basically, his backstory, according to the game, is uh, Jack calls him up and he's like, "Hey, you want to do this for me?" He's like, "No." And then Jack's like, I'll pay you a couple million dollars. He's like, okay. <laughs> That's his backstory. I <laughs> uh, just love that. The way he just did that sort of leaves awesome. <laughs> so that's my character's entire backstory. You know, he, he basically uh, didn't agree to do Jack's bidding. And then Jack's like, I'll give you a couple million dollars if you do it for me. He's like, all right, why not? There is, there is more to him as obviously his backstory and stuff like that. Not a lot is revealed about him. And he's really secretive about that, as obviously they tried to keep it under wraps as much as they could. And I mean they did a lot. There isn't a lot on him. All we know is that he loves to cyberize himself. Get like cyber surgery, make more of him like cyberized. Um and he just loves these enhancements, like cyber enhancements that he loves having all the time, which is really weird, but that's this guy. But he's also According to this, he used to. He, I think he was a. He wasn't like a big, big bounty hunter like Nisha was. I think he worked with the law for a while, and then he stopped, and then just went on his own for a while, like kind of like a vigilante, so to speak. It was kind of he was kind of like that for a while. That's what I. That's the kind of gist I got off of his backstory. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, you get that a little bit, but you don't get it like too much in this story. But I guess you said that uh, in two, you get a little bit more, right? Yeah, in two you get a lot more on him, yeah. So I guess I'll have to find out in two when I get there, but um we didn't talk about a special though, and his special I thought was a really cool special and one that, you know, really worked well for me. And it's called uh Wolf and Saint, and basically it sends out two drones that help you out. So uh the Saint drone, it heals you up. So if you're, you know, low on health, you can throw out Wolf and Saint and the Saint will heal you up. And then at the same time it sends out this wolf attack drone and that attacks nearby enemies. So um, it, it's honestly a really helpful skill and a special because basically if you're ever low on health, you can throw this out and heal because that's one thing we didn't mention actually is unlike Borderlands 1 in the pre-sequel, you can't uh, like buy health to store for later. You have to basically, you know, find health on the go. You can't actually like, store health in your pack. So having this ability, it basically gives you like a free reheal if you use the ability. And then on top of that, if you go down or something like that, I had a couple occasions that uh, Wolf would actually get a kill for me, and Wolf got me back up. Yeah, and that's uh, really good. And that obviously, as well, it relates to another character that uh, we'll meet later on in Borderlands 2 as well. Uh, I'll explain that as we go through that book. Um, as well, there's different variations you could have took with your Wolf insane, as I was marking these down as I went through and did a bit of experimentation with them. Um, and I wrote some notes based on this. Well, so basically, one of the first things you can do is obviously... Um, the one you said, which was just a health and attack and stuff like that. Um, and if you would have, I, 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 did you get Dreadnought? I'm pretty sure you did. Dreadnought is the class I went for most. Yeah, I only picked one thing outside that class, but I mostly went for Dreadnought class. Yeah, when you get that full Dreadnought class, uh, the player has an ability to overcharge themselves, and this player through Saint, uh, it, it basically overcharges them. Yeah. yeah, it overcharges them, but then it also it does that. It, it does that to players and saints as well for a short period of time that they become more thinking and that's why you were getting more health because while you were in that state you were over, you were overcharging saints at the exact same time. I noticed that as well uh, when we were doing it. 
uh, as well there's obviously uh, for a short period of time as well Wolf gets an increase in movement fire rate reload like it doesn't even reload but what the rest of it yeah and basically um, it puts down like a red circle that if you you and your teammates stand in there you actually reheal yeah when the overcharge thing happens yeah definitely um and as well, I just love the fact that you could go launch yourself into people and you get tons of kills just from blowing yourself up at the end if you have to, to help your teammates if you were down, for example. I love that. That was awesome. Um, stuff that they're specialized with. At this time around, Wilhelm was specialized in obviously his, uh, you, I think you asked, you asked a question. I, I can't remember the top of my head, but you were asking a question while, uh, you were using elemental stuff, why you were doing more damage than normal weapons. I don't know if you were asking me that at one point, but I'm pretty sure there was a question that was asked about that. Uh, and basically, that was the, the reason that is, is because Wilhelm actually specialised in all the elemental stuff. Kind of like Lilith did in the first game. Wilhelm had it this time round, where basically, when he was using, like, shark, incendiary, corrosive stuff, he had a chance to freeze people, it became more effective with cryo-weapons. And whenever your shield was depleted, if you ever used, like, the cyborg, uh, stuff that I was telling John when I was telling you that cyborg class looked really cool. Uh, if, if you were to get that, the cyborg, uh, augmentation weapon, uh, would have, would have fired an incendiary laser blast that lasted for a short periods of time, you would have been able to just blast incendiary, like, incendiary lasers everywhere, yeah. But that's once your shield had been fully depleted. So once your shield had fully gone, you would have immediately started, like, shooting that everywhere. And then it could be, and it could be reused once it's recharged itself, or once your shield's gone down. But obviously, it's got to recharge before obviously you can use it again. But yeah, that is a really cool like ability if you've gone down that tree. Interesting, yeah, because I didn't really like those trees that much, but you know, the dreadnought tree uh, spoke to me the most because it basically just gives me extra health, you know, extra um, stuff for Saint a lot. So to me, that you know, kind of worked for my playstyle more because it gave me. Um, ability to help my team out as well as myself so especially without uh, being able to carry health in my pack i thought it was a really cool class that's kind of what i went for that yeah it definitely was a really good class it's especially good for zoning because you can keep enemies back as well but that is uh the six characters we have so i mean um you know in your opinion out of the six characters what are like the top three you think in your opinion my top three based off the, the characters and stuff like that alone I've got to say, it had to be Athena because she has a really good backstory for why to be there, and you can really like feel because she's basically this main character for the whole thing. She relates her story about why, obviously, she went to the moon and why Jack became what he is. Uh, when we find out later on what he becomes and stuff like that, and the rest of it, and she basically she's like the main protagonist, so to say. Not throughout the whole game, but she's the only character in the actual prequels of all the characters who explains everything that happened in the prequel and why they did everything that they did. Uh, the second one I'd say is Nisha because you have that opposite side to her where you have this character that's just a real bitch to everybody. Kind of like a villain-esque person. I then think Jack because... Jack obviously has a, the doppelganger for Jack's also really good because obviously the full name of Timothy Lawrence you wouldn't think is Jack's doppelganger you just wouldn't but he has that story behind him and also 
you obviously get to see is obviously, oh, he's, he's Jack, but inside he's still Timothy and he talks a bit like Timothy sometimes, but it's in Jack's voice. And you can see obviously the difference and it's really cool to obviously get that story as well. Because that's one of the stories that are revealed. Then I'd obviously, and then I'd say, um, I like Wilhelm as the fourth one. And then clap. So putting my guy fourth, seriously? I'm putting him fourth for the simple reason of, we don't, we don't get a lot on him at the start. And it's just like, how but you don't need to know a lot about him. I mean, you know, he's got the Wolf and Saint. Like, it's a really cool ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the ability and stuff like that. But it's just like for me, I've got to like I I when I'm looking at characters and who I like the best, they've got to stick out for me in this game. And he does because obviously you don't know a lot about him. And it's that mysterious factor that I like about Wilhelm is you don't have a lot on him until the until the, uh, the second game. Yeah, that's true. I mean. I just like, you know, how dry he is. Like, his dry humor is actually kind of fun sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has he has his moments for, like, one-liners and stuff like that. And it, it, is, it is good. But I feel like the three I mentioned before him kind of overpower him in that sense because they do it all the time. It makes us laugh. But for me, you know, he would be up there. Um, also, your character would be up there as well. I really liked uh, Athena, and, you know, I might have uh, potentially chosen her if uh, you didn't already have her, but I kind of <laughs> wanted to play somebody different. And the other one that I would say uh, spoke to me most would be uh, Aurelia. I kind of like her freeze power. That seemed kind of cool to me, so those would be kind of my top three. Um, Nisha would be last for me. She just didn't really speak to me at all. And I guess the doppelganger guy would be fourth, and Claptrap would be fifth out of the ones that, like, spoke to me, so... That's kind of uh, my order. So, like, Wilhelm be one, and then, um... Yeah, we have a completely different one. Two be Athena. To each other, yeah. which is really... that That's that's good, that. We have a really different one to each other. We have our own reasons for picking certain ones. That's true. The only one we have the same is Claptrap. We both have him in fifth. Actually, yeah, that's true. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we both have him in fifth. <laughs> but we talked about those, and we do have some enemies to face them. So, um... I kind of put down a couple enemies... Yeah. So, one of the enemies that we see uh, early in the game, which is a pretty interesting enemy, you can uh, kind of tell us more about, is the Merith. Uh, the Merith? <laughs> um, for me, I wouldn't say he's an enemy of sorts. I think it's a fine line between it where he basically let the greed get to him, and he just betrays you, and you're just like, oh, well, I've got to kill this guy now because he betrayed me, and yeah, that's it. And that's all you really say about the Merf, because he's in charge of like, the main town until you guys turn up and kill him. Like, that that's how quick he's gone. You turn up to the town, you kill him immediately, and then that's it. He's gone. Well, yeah, but I mean, throughout like some of the side missions we did, we actually got a little bit more of his story, and I, I think he's an interesting character, at least. Yeah, the thing is with him is, he went from a guy who had no power, who people thought was a joke, and then was given all this power, and then let it get to his head. It's it's a, it's a it's a really sad tale of obviously somebody who just wanted to be recognised, just going overboard, and getting all this fame and all this stuff, and just not wanting to die, so like like betraying all of his friends if he has to, just to escape. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think it's just a really interesting character when you know a lot of these enemies weren't really. So I still consider him an enemy because he's still someone you had to deal with in the game, but. I guess in the traditional sense of an enemy, he's not really like a big boss or anything. He's just, you know, some guy that was in charge. But yeah. I think he's interesting enough to at least mention. Yeah, he's interesting to mention. But it's also an important step on Jack's transformation. Because you witnessed 
uh, Jack's first dark deed, when he just marches on in there and murders him immediately. Well, he, he does give him a chance. We can all just admit, he does give him a chance, but then he just tries to kill him. So then Jack just full on, just full out, brutally murders him. And then that's the first bit you see of Jack's transformation. And there's a few other bits we see throughout where obviously Jack's transforming into this uh, tyrant. Yeah, because Jack starts out as not that bad, but then he kind of morphs throughout the game. Yeah, he starts turning to he turns into the, like the dark side. Yeah, his dark side has to fight a lot more as we head through it. And, and the, and the, I will the Marif's a major one. Well, I will say though that you know him killing the Marif wasn't entirely his fault or anything because um. You know, the mayor did try to, like, grab a gun and try to kill him. He's like, what the hell, dude? Like, I was going to let you live. Yeah. It's fair enough. It was in self-defense, but that, that's when you see your... It's first of, obviously, his no remorse from killing somebody. Like, he just didn't give a current Very true. He just literally went, oh, I was going to give you a chance to live. Oh, well. Anyway, back onto this. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, like, the first kind of sort of enemy that you encounter. Yeah. And basically, um, the only other main enemy throughout the game... Or at least, like, the main one that's kind of driving the story is Colonel Zarpadon. So you want to talk about Colonel Zarpadon? Okay, so Colonel Zarpadon is... I'm pretty sure I just botched that name entirely. Don't crucify me for that. <laughs> She's basically the leader of these people called the New. And these people are uh, people who used to be with... And this is a really interesting fact, and I don't know if you recognize this from the game they were. These all used to be Extal operatives for the first game but they rebranded themselves moved to the moon and just wanted to obviously prove that obviously the dark corporation hadn't trained these people for nothing and that's why Colonel Zarpaton came in and immediately trained all these people to fight along her side because they had potential for her and they wanted to help like obviously after obviously their leader's dead now from the dark corporation they have nothing left so, if she hadn't rescued all these people from Pandora, these people wouldn't even have been alive today. So that's why they all pledge allegiance to her. And that's why even when you do end up killing her at the end, her men still try to kill you. Because it's just that loyalty. She's basically like a savior to them throughout the whole thing. And they'll do anything to protect her. Yeah, I mean, she has a lot of enemies working for her, and... <laughs> It isn't until very, very late in the game that you actually get to, you know, face her. So, it, basically, you go throughout, like, almost the entire game without actually ever touching her. Yeah. Most of the time, she just brags over the radio, um, like, over your echo lock going the whole time. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Kind of reminds me of Commander Steel from the first game, where she do she blabs all this stuff. Only this time, you can actually kill her. So, unlike the first game where, you know, the vault boss did it for us. This one, we actually got to kill the person that was chatting all of the, you know, the bull to us the whole time. We got, we got to, like, put her in a place. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, and I think as a boss, she's actually a pretty fun boss because when you do get to face her, she's a lot of fun to face. I mean, it was actually one of the most uh, fun moments of the game for me until we got to a different boss. But out of the whole game, she was one of the uh, two most fun characters for me to face as an enemy. Yeah, because she has two lives. She has the mech that you defeat, and then she gets out, and she's immediately there with a massive, like, spear in her hands, and she's trying to whack you with that, and she's teleported all over the place and stuff like that. And then you have to kill her a second time. And it kind of adds to it, because obviously, at the start, obviously, you're like, okay, she's dead, that's all this gear. But then she's like, and then the game's just like, nope, I'm still alive, and you still have to kill me again. 
that sucks to be you. <laughs> and we actually learned throughout the story, too, that what she was doing is she was using the eye and she's basically using that to try and destroy uh planet. Yeah, she's using the eye of Helios to destroy Elvis because she's trying to make sure the vault never gets on Earth. Because there's a dark secret in that vault and she never wants it to be revealed at all because it could potentially destroy everything. And she's been down there, she's seen all of this stuff, as you can tell from her character, because she's covered in all the iridium that there is in that vault. So she's obviously turned into one of the guardians of the vault. But it's like a humanoid version of her, where she still retains all of her thoughts, feelings, all that stuff. She isn't just a mindless husk. And even when she's pleading for her life at the end, and she's like, like, save all these people, don't go into the vault, don't do this, just let Elvis get destroyed. This is the second bit you see of Jack's transformation, where he just shows no remorse, and just immediately just goes blah 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 and just shoots her. Yeah. It's crazy. And that's the second transformation you see of him no longer giving a shit about anybody. And that's essential yeah, as well. As well, it's also essential to the eye. The eye plays a major part as well in his transformation. Because obviously, if people obviously wouldn't know this, but the eye is the eye of the Destroyer. And the eye of the Destroyer was the boss from the first game, the Vault Boss. And I know, Blade, you were surprised when you saw that. I didn't mention anything of the sort. And I just loved your reaction when you finally saw what it was. <laughs> I just like, I finally got him on something. Yeah, that was really a big surprise to me because basically the eye, you know, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't played the first game, but basically the eye in this big laser that's in this game is actually the eye of the destroyer, which is the uh, basically vault guardian for the first game. So that was really interesting to me that, you know, his, the laser is actually the eye of like an actual uh, vault guardian. Yeah, and he, all these, like, as it's hinted at, all these Vault Guardians that you verse all have a way of, like, having, of being used as a weapon of some sort. The Eye has the laser, and different people have different ways of, obviously, commanding these people. I can't get on to what uh, number two's is, because obviously we haven't played number two yet. But it made no sense. And obviously the Vault Boss for this, it isn't revealed what the thing is. So we can't really get into that. It never is revealed, so... Yeah, and, you know, I, I can't wait to get into two as well, but um, the vault boss for this, which you're mentioning, is kind of like the last, you know, enemy to really speak of, because, honestly, um, this game didn't have the best enemies, in my opinion. You know, basically, the Marif, like, he barely even counts as an enemy, and we had Zarpadon, and then the last one is the final uh, vault boss, which is the Sentinel. Yep, the Sentinel. Uh, it's just a, uh, it's just the uh, this guardian that comes out, this guardian of the Sentinel, and basically she's carrying this massive spear and she teleports and she has every element on this game, and you have to down her shield three times with each element each time before you can kill it. Oh no, it's four. It's four sorry, all four elements. You and then once that's done, then you can actually kill it. And then, obviously, at first, you'd be like, okay, that's it. That, that, was, that, was, that was the vault boss. Nothing special there. But wait, there's more. Because a giant version of it comes through the floor, and then you have to repeat that process another four times. Yeah, that was really shocking to me. Because, like, I, when we were facing the Sentinel, you know, it was like this 
sort of small but uh, nimble boss. And, you know, I thought we had beaten her because, like, you take down her shield, you know, after you take down your shield, then you, uh, you know, knock her down. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, we won. You know, hey, like, this is awesome. We won. But then, like, this giant version of the Sentinel comes out. I'm like, what? We, we didn't win? Like, <laughs> No, you didn't win because that first one we burst was the Guardian of the Sentinel. It was in the name, but I never hinted at it. It's in the name, Guardian of the Sentinel. She was never the Sentinel to begin with. It, she was guarding what the Sentinel was. And the minute we killed that, we opened the gateway to the actual vault boss. Yeah, and that uh, final boss battle was awesome, too, because the Sentinel is, like, huge and, you know, yeah, it has these fists that pound down and everything. And it was really cool, too, because basically this entire battle... Pretty much what you want to do as a good rule of thumb is just try to stay in the air as much as possible. That way you're not on the ground. Yeah, it's just a fly battle the whole time. So now you got these guardians shooting that you're flying around. You're flying around because if you touch the floor for some point, you're going to get electrocuted and you're going to die. And no one's going to be able to get you because then the sentinel's going to turn around and immediately smack you and you're going to die as well. Yeah, pretty much, you know, whenever we went down in this boss battle, like, none of us get each other. We're just like, well, you, you got to come back, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got to come back because we can't, we can't just hit the floor and get you up because it's impossible unless we want to get pounded into the floor with you. It's impossible for us to do anything, so. And then at some point, it's like you actually got shot so high in the air that you actually stood in these pillars as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah, you have to stand on these pillars to avoid the electricity. But at this point, if you're standing in front of the Sentinel and you're on these on these pillars, you're screwed. Because it has eye lasers for each elemental skill that it ends up doing. And its fists do the exact same thing. But what I love about this boss as well is that you have to keep your wits about you the whole time. Or like the Destroyer from the first game, it's just a simple of, okay, this boss is in front of me, I'm just going to shoot it. With this one, it's moving around, it's throwing its fists everywhere, it's shooting its eye laser everywhere, yeah, it's throwing you up in the air. And basically what I was doing is... Every time I touched the ground, I immediately jumped up again. Like, I only stayed on the ground for like half a second, just touched the ground and jumped up again. Exactly, because you had to do that, because by the time you're touching the floor again, it's all electrified, so you can't afford to touch the floor, so you have to get back up onto a pillar really quickly to avoid it. Hey, I mean, you were there, you know, I actually did fairly well. I only actually went down one time out of the entire battle, so. Yeah, you, you did really well. You so actually avoided a bad. lot of it. Yeah, you went down like <laughs> once and died. You, you went down a couple of times and we saved you. But then, the you, the one time you died was to the Guardian, and not the actual Vault Boss itself, which was really yeah. good, considering it was your first time versing it. Well, and plus, you have to remember, too, like, um, people listening to the podcast probably don't know this until I say it, but I was actually um, two levels under-leveled for this battle, too. So I was two levels under where I was supposed to be. It was, you were three. Oh, I was three? I you were three. That, 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 yeah, you were three. <laughs> yeah, you were three. That's why I was surprised you survived for as long as you did, because you were three levels <laughs> under the... The final boss battle, you're three levels under. And then for you, for you to only die once at the beginning boss, and then for you to only go down a couple of times but not die at the actual boss itself, is really impressive. <laughs> and I, I even said, I was like, well done. Like, generally, well done. You survived the boss. Like, well done. I'll give you a little applause for that. Well done. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well done. You survived the vault boss. Three levels under it. Like, I wouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> like, damn. Well, you know, I, I just try to keep moving and yeah. uh, keep surviving. So. Ultimate underdog. But yeah. what I loved about the way you did it was you didn't even, I didn't even have to tell you to do it. I just warned you about the electrified floor. That was the only thing I warned you about. You knew immediately, okay, I see, I see, I see Zombie doing this. I see Tandas doing this. I've just got to copy what they're doing and stay 
off the ground as much as possible. Yeah, because the only time I was on the ground was for the like the guardian pre-boss, like the guardian of the vault. Um, and I was on the ground for some of that, but then I realized, you know, throughout that, okay, I gotta stay up. And then basically I stayed up the whole time. Yeah, because with the guardian at the start, she has a grounded assault the whole time. So if you're the more you're in the air, the more you're gonna avoid all the attacks that she does to you. But you know that is um what we have for the enemies at least. You know after you beat the sentinel, basically you get um a you know amazingly crappy uh, loot drop and you get like absolutely nothing. Ooh, yeah, we were mentioning how bad the loot was. It doesn't get bad than when we watch you watched on the street because. When I played it, I got a bunch of purples. I got a purple weapon. We then watch, Bla- we then do Blaze's stream version of it, and then he gets all blues and purples for stuff he doesn't even need. Yeah, it's like I think uh, Tan has got like a mask for his character. Yeah, he got an ultra mask. He got a legendary ultra mask for that boss that you only get half the time if you verse the raid boss. Just great. Like, wow. But hey, I, you know, I did get purples. I got purple oxygen containers. <laughs> Great! Because <laughs> that's what we need, isn't uh, it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that, that makes it all worth it. Purple oxygen I containers. I didn't think you know, my that's look. That's what I came for. I didn't think my look could get bad until I witnessed what Blaze got. And I was just like, Wow! Hey, if you don't think my luck can get bad, you know wow. you haven't seen me uh, go for that echo achievement in State of Decay either. You know? Oh no, I was that there. Echo achievement to be locked I up. was there. <laughs> and just to say, I got it on my first attempt. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, this is my luck, though, Zombie. You know, you had that Borderlands stuff, the echo achievement. Like, <laughs> I just don't have the best luck. So. You don't. You don't. Hopefully, Borderlands Two gives you better luck. Hopefully. Heck, I mean, you seem to have pretty good luck. You know, you even won a t-shirt in a contest, so. Hey, exactly. Yeah. So. Hey. You seem to have pretty good luck. I do. Oh, man. But, you know, that's all the uh, characters and enemies. Um, is there any other characters that we didn't mention you want to mention? Like, uh, not characters you know, that are NPCs in the previous Borderlands, but, like, characters we might have known before? Um... I'm trying to so we already know, like, we know, like, Moxie and stuff like that from the first game. We know Mar- Marcus, and yeah, so, Marcus like, I don't think there's any the NPCs worth mentioning that are, like, new NPCs. Um, you've got uh, Nurse Nina, and she was someone who worked with uh, Hyperions, who obviously make the Jack Doppelganger. But she's also the person who replaces um, Dr. Zed in this game as the medical person you go to. For all your injuries and stuff like that. But unlike Dr. Z, Nina actually has a medical license. So you know you're actually in the That's right good. hands. Yeah, exactly. You know you're in the right hands when you know you have someone with a medical license. The other person who I think kind of replaces Scooter in this is Springs. And yeah, I was going to mention Springs and... I know Springs from Tales from the Borderlands, but technically in the story, we're not supposed to know her yet, if you go chronologically. Yeah, exactly. You're not supposed to know her yet. God, Blaze. Ah. <laughs> what are you doing? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, she is in Borderlands 2, though, right? I believe? No. Oh, she's not in Borderlands 2? She's not. Interesting. So basically, this this is uh what people's first introduction to her was, right? Yep. That's interesting to find out, then. Yeah, because, I mean... Basically, I did this, like, completely backwards when I, like, 
now I'm going back through everything, but the only Borderlands game I played to start was Tales from the Borderlands. So I knew her instantly from Tales from the Borderlands, and I figured she was the character that was like in, in all the games almost. So. Nope. That'd be Scooter. Scooter is in all of them. Apart from this one. Yeah, that's true. So His voice does come over the uh, intercom for Capture Ride, though. So he's technically in it. Well, at least he made it in somehow, right? Yeah, so, so is Marcus. Marcus is in all of them. So, as well, so yeah. There are only two characters that are in all of them. No, 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 no. I'm wrong. Uh, isn't Lilith? Lilith's in all this. Roland's in all of them. Moxie's in all of them. Yeah, so there's a couple of characters. Yeah, Athena's in all of them. I, I thought I let that part known. Athena's in all. Well, some of those people you mentioned aren't in Tales, though. So, I mean, like, Roland isn't in Tales, for example, and stuff like that. But... Athena is. I don't remember him in Tales. I have to replay Tales again, because yeah. I haven't played Tales in a while, so maybe I've forgot about him. But yeah, um, that's what we have for the characters, so... We did talk a little bit about the storyline as we went on, obviously, but um, just kind of going through the storyline a little bit here, um, we have 12 chapters, and according to what I found, there are 73 different missions you can play, so, you know, throughout the main missions and the side missions, so 73 missions doesn't really seem like as much as I thought there would be. But then you play it. But then you play it. (laughs) And then you realize how long it actually is, especially for the starting bit. Because the start of it is really, really long, and it drags. Uh, the whole well, honestly, the the start was like interesting and new to me. So like the starting was like, uh, welcome to Helios. There was Lost Legion invasion. These are the main story missions, by the way. Yeah. Uh, marooned. Like so, throughout like those first few missions, you know, it wasn't really that bad to me because I was it was something brand new to me. I wasn't used to the game yet, so I was like, okay, you know, we'll give this a shot. Maybe it's not that bad. And, you know, then we have systems jammed, but then is when it starts to go downhill. So, basically towards the middle of the story is when it gets really, really bad. Uh, you have a new direction, and then the worst mission in the entire game is Intelligence of the Artificial Persuasion. And uh, Zombie can probably, you know, agree with me, I think, but yeah. this mission was so god-awful. And the one after it as well, Let's Build a Robot Army, that wasn't much better. Basically, missions six and seven, especially the intelligence of artificial persuasion. I had a stream that uh, we'd stream this stuff, and we spent so much of the stream at one point looking for like one ladder. Basically, we were looking for like one way. We were looking for like okay, we have to get to this place, and literally the place we had to get to was literally two doors away. You just all you had to do is walk through two doors, but they had the doors locked, so you had to find some way to backtrack through the entire way you've been. Just to get to this spot that was literally two doors away. Yeah, yeah. To go all it, it, it the was way. Maddening. Yeah, to go all the way back to the start through this little passageway that you wouldn't have been able to sit at the start. Go all the way through this duct, fight all these other enemies, and then you finally get there, and you're like, "Why? What was the point?" Because all you did was turn yeah. on a button. Oh yeah, you turned on a button. Oh, you can leave this area now. So we used to spend... Yeah, basically there's a force field blocking you, and literally you spent all that time... We probably spent at least an hour just trying yeah. to hit that button. Yeah, we spent an hour hitting that one button. The force field's down, you can go now. That, that's it. Great! We wasted all of yeah, our time. So, zombie, um, you know, you can say that at the end of this stream... Uh, how, how close was I to quitting the game at the end of this stream? <laughs> a lot. God, Sim. <laughs> yeah... I don't want to get into that. It was scary. It was scary. There was a lot. There was a lot of swearing. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But... No, I wasn't swearing. That I, I know. I know. Hey, 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 that much. That much. Ah, so you admit you were swearing. <laughs> but you see, something 
He doesn't usually do. Just give me a heads up on that. So. Yeah, it was, it was like depressing. I mean, it was just really, <laughs> really bad. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I, I did not want to finish that stream at all. Yeah. Um, but we powered through that stream, and basically, Zombie said at the end of the stream, well, don't worry, the, the next mission, it, it gets better. I, I promise it gets better after that. I'm like, uh, all right, Zombie, uh, I'll, I'll trust you. You know, I'll, I'll give it one more stream. But if, if in that last stream, like, if, you know, it doesn't get better, then I'm quitting this game. We're not even going to finish this game. And... I know. That's <laughs> when the recapture of Helios commenced, and then he loved it. Hey. Yeah. So that's when it gets good. So, like, basically, you know, the first uh, five missions are like, eh. They're like, eh. It's you know, basically. Down there, that they're kind of like boring. Yeah. Missions six and seven, you know, you, you want to like um, quit the game. So, you know, basically you go from, eh, I want to quit the game. And if you don't actually quit the game by the end of mission seven, then actually um, eight through 12 is actually a lot of fun. So, you know, basically that's when it gets good. You know, those last. Um, five missions is actually the good part of the game yeah it, it just sucks that you have to make it through seven missions of crap before you get to the good part <laughs> fair enough uh couldn't say about myself uh so so to explain the story of all those missions because i know what the story is and i don't think you got what the story was basically the first half is basically creating an army to get back up to helios to actually fight your way through it what you do yeah, get to Helios. To, to be fair, just to comment on that real quick, um, you say I don't think you don't think I got what the story was. Honestly, um, which this says a lot about the game. I didn't really care what the story was much. I just wanted to finish the game, and be done yeah. with it forever. Yeah, we got to that point where he just didn't care. He just gave up at that point. He was just like, I don't care, <laughs> zombie. Get your level twenty eight character out. I just rushed me through this. Now he didn't want to do yes. that at the start. He was like, okay, let's all do the same level. Let's all go through this. We, we we finished that we finished that mission. He immediately went to bed. Get your level twenty eight uh, character out for next stream, and let's try to rush through this and finish it. Because I can't be bothered anymore. And I was just like, yeah. Okay. Basically, at the at the end of mission seven, I was just done with the game. Like, if I do finish this game, I just want to finish it as fast as possible and never play it again. Yeah. And I I will say uh, right up front here, you know, in this podcast. I am never touching the pre-sequel again, ever in my life. I'm not playing any DLC. I, I'm never going back to the game again. So um, please don't request it on stream ever because it, it's never happening. <laughs> kind of like Cameo. I would play Cameo again before I play 3 Super. Oh, gosh, is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Didn't think it was that bad. Jesus. <laughs> well, at least Cameo, I didn't actually, like, at least Cameo seemed to have some kind of story involved, so <laughs> at least I could get into it and, you know, figure out what that story is. Like, the pre-sequel, like, I'm just running around with my head cut off, you know, okay, you know, I'm going to talk to this weird guy, and, you know, we're jumping in a trash compactor to kill, like, some monster that's in a trash compactor, like, what are we even doing here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Fair enough. Yeah. But but sorry to cut you off, you know. Please continue with the story. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> he summed it up all perfectly for me. Um, but yeah. Um, the story is, you've said the first half of the game, basically getting an army together to actually go in and take back Helios because it gets talked by the Lost Legion. Because they want to use that eye to destroy the moon before the vault thing can come out and destroy everyone on the moon. But in doing so, she just wants to sacrifice all the lives that are on the moon, which is a ton of them. So, yeah. 
Um, and then you obviously get to Helios, you obviously have to take it back. Here's the problem I have with this. All those armies that you spend making in the first half of the game don't even turn up to help you. So my question was this. What was the point? Um, you're asking the wrong person, probably. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's like, what was the point of making all these armies that never turned up to help you? We did everything ourselves. Four people took back an entire space station. Yeah, I mean, because you're making this robot army and you never see a robot army. So. Exactly, it just never turns up. <laughs> so what was the point of it? I uh, I can't say, honestly. You know, <laughs> I didn't make the game, so yeah. M- maybe you could ask Randy Pitchford. <laughs> <laughs> and then... We get through all of it, and then uh, we take back Helios, take back everything, and then this is when, again, you, you see a transformation in Jack after Z- uh, Zapdon's death, because obviously they get the control back of the eye, but then it's Moxie, Lilith, and Roland who make this little scheme to basically take back the actual place itself. And what happens then is they basically betray Jack. And this is when, obviously, you see him basically become a full tyrant. And Yeah, basically, they do betray Jack, and that's an interesting moment, because that's kind of when Jack, you know, goes over the edge. Like, he goes more over the edge at the end of the story, but basically, at that point, like, you know, Jack is really pissed off. He's like, what the hell? They betrayed me. And then your character's kind of caught in the middle. They're like, well, I I guess I got to finish this contract. Yeah, exactly. You just got to finish this contract now, and then we can just be rid of him. Because... There's one specific thing after, obviously, you get the Sentinel, and he sees what's to come at the end of the game. You, you guys get to see what's going to happen in Borderlands 2. You see. So, basically, you he gets this premonition from, obviously, the Sentinel that tells him what's to come, what boss is next, and what he has to do. And he says, we've got to wake the warrior. And you see flashes of what's going to be Borderlands 2. And you already know now what the actual name of the boss is going to be. Because all the flashes at the end tell him what he has to do. Which is Wake the Warrior. Which I, I forget. Yeah, okay, the Warrior. I was going to say, I forget the name at the top of my head, but yeah. Uh, and then I will reveal, too, that I know from the Tales from the Borderlands that that boss is called the Traveler. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember something. I know that. Um, as well, uh, what ends up happening is... As uh, you basically, Athena explains, and I love the line she says at the end of this. This is when the hero that we met uh, on Helios died. Because Jack basically becomes something else entirely at that point. Yep. He even kills his own boss to become in charge. You see it at the end credits. You see him literally snap his boss's neck. Yeah, so it's crazy because um, Jack started out as a, you know, sort of sympathetic character, and you basically get to, because I know in the second game, I haven't played it yet, but I know he's like this big bad guy in the second game, and you kind of see, you know, his rise to power, but also his dissension in his mentality, because he starts out as like this guy that's, you know, ambitious, and he's not that bad of a guy at the start of the game, but then he kind of becomes this monster by the end. Yeah, you, you see his transformation, I, that's like the only good like storytelling I love from this game, is you see his disintegration from being a hero into a tyrant. And I love that. Yeah, it's really cool to see that all go. Because, I mean, it's interesting to see him, you know, because he's, like, an iconic bad guy character, and he's really uh, good at that, honestly. Yeah, definitely. That egotistical person. He's really good at it. Yeah. 
And all credit to the guy who actually voiced him because he made he made the guy uh, iconic for Borderlands. But you know that's kind of your story for um this game and you know all about it. So um you know Borderlands Two is next up, and you know we get to see uh what's going on in that storyline very soon. But if you continue to play this game after you finish the story, which I will definitely not be doing, so never going to happen, so please don't ask. But <laughs> if you wanted to play the DLC, um, what options do you have in the DLC? So you have this um, doll slaughter pit where you just kill enemies upon enemies upon enemies and you get gear and stuff like that for the doll corporation so they can do like a bunch of experiments. That's what I got from it. Uh, okay. The next one is the Hollow Dome, which is basically the Underdome that we played in the first game, only it's all a bunch of holograms and you all just get left responded in there and you basically just burst them all. Okay. And then the Claptastic Voyage is basically the story about how um, how all the claptraps basically turn into what happens when we see it at the start of Borderlands 2. I can explain more on that on stream when we do it on Sunday. Because I right now it it spoil it for you. So okay, so basically, um, we'll get that story more on Sunday. Yeah, fair enough. So I mean, basically, out of the three, it sounds like it's just random killing, random killing, and the claptastic voyage actually is interesting out of the three. Yeah, but the the first two don't sound that interesting to me. Because I mean, basically, I'd rather play Borderlands One and just you know play through the Borderlands yeah. One. The Hollow Dome is basically the downgraded version of the Underdome. Is Moxie still there? No. Damn, you don't even have Moxie there? So, like, what's the point of it? Exactly. And the Shock Drop um, Slaughter Pit, which is, like, the doll stuff, is that any interesting at all? Have you tried it? it it's interesting in, in the sense of, obviously, they get you for an experiment that they're trying to see to see, like, obviously, how long it takes someone physically to, like, obviously, to try to test, obviously, your physical skills, like, and how, how, like, how much it takes for them to, like, finally beat you to the point where you're not able to complete it. Fair enough. So I guess if you do like this game enough to try DLC for it, um, Claptastic Voyage seems like your only good bet. Yeah. But honestly, um, you know, we're getting to the end here. We're going to say some positives and negatives about the game. But personally, um, I would say just, you know, watch the story on YouTube and just avoid the game, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I'd tell people the same, to be honest. Don't, and yeah, I've, I mean, I've told my friends as well, the only redeeming part of that whole game is the Battle for Helios and the Vault Boss at the end that redeem that game in some sense. Yeah. And I will say that, like, the first time you find out that the Eye is, like, the Eye of the Destroyer, that is a pretty cool moment, too. That's one yeah. of the cool moments. Yeah, it's a nostalgic moment, yeah. And I like the way they did that, obviously. And I like the way I actually finally surprised you with something because I didn't mention it at all. And you're like, oh my god, is that the Destroyer from the first game? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Because the uh, whole time I was thinking, like, one. okay, they had this laser. Like, I was thinking of just, you know, like a giant laser beam. I'm like, wait, the laser's actually an eyeball? Like, wait, what? Like, and then they said the eye of the Destroyer. And then you, and then you like, it was like, it sparked up in your head. Just like, oh my yeah. god, it's <laughs> the one for the first game. I was like, yeah, it is, yeah. And I was secretly at the time, I had my mic muted and I was giggling because I was like, I finally got him. I finally got him. <laughs> you know, what would have been cool, actually, if they were smart about it, like, they should have had a DLC where. 
like you kind of go back in time a little bit more and you're actually making that laser like that would have been cool to have a dlc where you make that laser. that is actually really cool i like that idea because like wouldn't that be awesome like even if it's just like a one mission you know like okay you know here's a free mission like a new mission for you guys you get to make the laser that you know jack was trying to use like that's kind of a cool mission actually yeah definitely like even if it's you know a mission that only lasts you like an hour like hey i played that for an hour why not like that's a cool mission exactly but you know some positives and negatives in the game um it's mostly negative for me, but um, the positives, you know, I do like the final boss battle, you're saying. That's one of the, you know, shining points of the game. It's a very fun boss battle. The boss battle's a lot better than the first game. I can't speak to the second game yet, but um, when I play through the second game, I'll let you guys know how I feel about that. But uh, this boss battle at the end is definitely a lot better than the first game, because as Zombie said, you know, it's more interactive. You kind of, you know, move around more. The boss actually rotates like the first game, the boss battle It's literally just a boss right in front of your face. So you can literally just hide behind a rock, come out, shoot him, hide behind a rock, come out, shoot him. Like you really don't have a lot of challenge for that first boss. Yeah. And then another positive for me is the gliding and jumping in the air. So like I like the zero gravity aspect where you can kind of just jump around. You have like some shots in midair. Like it's kind of cool, like shooting your gun off in midair, you know, connecting with enemies and that that is a cool feel, so I do appreciate that, but the negative to that is because of that, you have this oxygen element where you can run out of oxygen and you have to, you know, re-tank uh, up your oxygen at, like, different uh, little air pockets and stuff, and that just has a bad feel to it all around. Yeah, because it kind of, like, defeats the point of obviously exploring this new world that you're in. It defeats the whole point of it. Because you're like, okay, I, I want to explore this place. Oh no, my oxygen's gone. Oh, crap, we need to go into this quick. Okay, now we can keep exploring. Oh, let's run out again, we need to get into this pocket. And now we can keep exploring. It's just it's just annoying. Yeah, so... It's just really weird, and I, I don't like the oxygen element. It just takes you away from the game, and just makes you not want to play as much. And, you know, we already spoke of the bad loot as well. I mean, out of the entire game, I never found a legendary weapon once, so... Yeah. That is a very bad thing as well. And... Another negative I have is, you know, missions six and seven, they honestly made me want to quit the game. Like, if honestly, the, the honest truth is that if Zombie didn't tell me, okay, the next mission's really fun, trust me. Yeah. If he wasn't there to tell me that, I would have quit the game right there. Like, I would have never played through the game because, you know, Zombie played through the game before and he told me, okay, trust me, this, you know, taking back Helios, trust me, it's going to be fun. So I was like, all right, I'll trust you, Zombie. But if Zombie wasn't there to tell me that, I would have quit the game right there. Yep, and then I would have told him I'm quitting the game. So, I mean... And then the other thing, too, is I don't like to quit things. So, like, I, I probably would have finished it anyways. But when I say I wanted to quit the game, like, I, honestly, I probably wouldn't have quit it since I was that far into it. But I just was would have been pain mistakenly awfully like, upset about the stream like <laughs> it would have been like the most boring like if the game if the rest of the game was like mission six and seven it would have been very bad content for everyone to watch because i wish would have been going through the stream and going through the game just for the sake of doing it yeah and i, I wouldn't have had any fun at all like and this is saying if mission six and seven were like the rest of the game that is so the way that rest of the game is eight through twelve is actually a lot of fun but if the rest of the game was as bad as six and seven, like I basically had two more streams to finish the game after that, 
those two streams, I just would have been so depressed to be like, oh my god, I have to play this game even more. I can't wait till this is over. Zombie, please get me through this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember somebody just be like, just play your higher level character, just get me, let, let's get it over with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, that's another negative I have there, and Honestly, uh, the only other positive I could say is the characters are kind of cool, and you know some of their uh, special skills are kind of cool. So, like Wilhelm, I thought was really cool. Um, the Baroness is a pretty cool character, I think. Athena is a cool character, so they have some cool characters. But overall, I, I would say this game has a really negative vibe to it. it. It's tough to get through. I mean, first seven missions is such a slog, and honestly, even though the payoff at the end is pretty cool, you know. Uh, like seeing that eye and seeing the final boss battle, facing Zarpadon, you know, retaking Helios, like all that stuff is cool. But honestly, the amount of slogging and grinding you have to do for like that is super boring to get to mission eight. I can't really recommend playing the game. And that's my honest opinion is that I can't recommend playing this. What I would say is if you have a friend that, you know, has already high level in this game and, they can just carry you through anything no matter what. I would say your best bet if you want to try the fun part of the game is literally just join one of your friend's games at Mission 8. Start from Mission 8 and go from Mission 8 to 12 and skip the first 7. Because yes, your character is going to be severely underleveled, but at least you can experience the fun part of the game if you want to play it that way. Fair enough. Well said. Zombie, uh, do you have any positives and negatives to point out? I think you've already said all of them, to be honest. Just that, obviously, the back half of the game is the shining example of what the whole game should have been. Yeah, if they had the whole game like that, it would have been fun. Like, one of the really bad points that you mentioned earlier is, you know, Mission 7 is supposed to be making this robot army, and they, you never see them. Like, there's, there's no robot army anywhere. Yeah, it just doesn't so, pay off. What's the point? Exactly. So, basically, that's like the first seven missions of the game. It just feels like, wow, I wasted this much of my life playing this? That's what it feels like. <laughs> So I, I really hope Borderlands 3 isn't like that at all, but I think from what Zombie tells me, I think they've learned the lesson. So. Oh yeah, they definitely have learned the lesson. So hopefully Borderlands 3 is nothing like that at all, because it, it does worry me that Borderlands 3 has some space travel in it, so I'm I'm still worried to some degree that they're going to have like oxygen, like all that weird crap in there. But... You'll see at the end of um, the DLC that we did for Borderlands 2 why they have to do that. Uh, why they have to have oxygen? No, no, why they have to do the space travel between different worlds and stuff third game. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it all explains well, that. I, I guess I'll see that soon. But do you have any uh, final thoughts on the game or anything? Um, I think like all around enough, enough has been said that basically your best bet is to just start retaking Helios and as Blaze said, that's the fun part of the game. Just get through all that and then that's it. Fair enough. And you know, like I said, you know, I can't really recommend this game as a whole. Um, You know, just watch it on YouTube or if you really want to fight, play the fun part, um, jump into a friend's game that, you know, is at Mission 8 or le higher and just go for Mission 8 and, you know, kind of do it from there because that's where the game gets fun. Um, honestly, the side missions aren't really that fun. The only interesting side mission to me was um, figuring out how the... I forget what it's called, but, like, it was in sub-level 13 zombie where you had, like, the radioactive stuff and you figure out how that actually happened. So that was a little bit interesting to me. Yeah, how the infection on Helio started. Yeah, there you go. So that was a little bit interesting, but that's the only side mission I found a little bit interesting. I don't know if you found any side missions interesting at all. Yeah, I thought that infection of uh, Helios was definitely intriguing. Like, you know, don't even get me started on jumping into a trash compactor. Like, <laughs> what was that on my shelf after? Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
and then you know some of the side matches like they were like crazily stupid and just you know they ended in like five seconds i mean there's one side mission where we talked to a guy and i can't remember all of it but i said at the time like that's a mission like seriously yeah basically we talked we talked to a guy and literally the mission is you talk to the guy you listen to a story real quick and then you shoot a freeze rate at him and that, that's you listen to him runs at you and swear yeah and then he's just like just freeze him would you dumb commanded him would you yeah so <laughs> I, I don't know i mean which if that you know if that's like an interesting part of the mission then you know i don't really know what the uh, rest of the mission is i'm gonna to say be, but... two has some of those side missions but there's community effects to each one well that's good at least yeah so you're I mean, laughing yeah because that you know mission felt so out of place and so boring and like it, it wasn't even funny to me so i'm like oh okay, this guy was, you know, annoying me, so I just shot a freeze rate at him. I guess, whatever. Okay, move on. <laughs> but, you know, that's basically what we have for you on uh, Borderlands pre-sequel. So, you know, um, we are going to have our next stream on Sunday, 12 to 4 Eastern, and that is going to be Borderlands 2. So I'm going to pick a character, and um, I'm sure Zombie already has his character in mind, which um, I believe is going to be the Siren, right, Zombie? Maybe. But, um... You know, you jump into that stream and find out what character I end up going with and uh, what character Zombie ends up going with, but that should be fun. And that'll be my first uh, foray into Borderlands 2. That will be our only Borderlands 2 stream of the week, but um, after this next week, we will be playing Borderlands 2 uh, twice a week uh, until we finish the game. So it's probably going to, we estimate it's probably going to take us about five streams. So about five, four hour streams, we're probably going to get through the game. That's what we kind of estimate. And then we have the Tales from the Borderlands game after that, but. On Monday, we're going to have our Game Pass Revisited Game of the Month. So that's going to be a game that we revisit from the Game Pass catalog. And in this case, it's going to be uh, Life is Strange, I think. But um, if you know more votes come in for other games, then it could be something else. But I believe it's going to be Life is Strange at the moment. So um, that would be Beyond the Storm, which is like the prequel to the first game. So we'll play through. Um, based on how uh, slowly I take that game... It's probably going to be one episode of the game, so we'll probably play through the first episode of that. There are three episodes, so, you know, maybe at some point I'll finish that as well. And then on Tuesday, it's going to be a State of Decay doubleheader again. So we're going to play through a stream uh, Tuesday during the day, 12 to 4. And then we're going to do through a night stream, uh, 8 to midnight. And it's probably going to be in Heartland for both streams. Kind of what my plan is, is on the Tuesday day stream, 12 to 4, I'm probably going to do some prepping for a speed run to kind of like you know get my feet wet and um figure out what i might need what strategy i want and then um depending on how that prep goes i'm thinking the tuesday night stream 8 to 12 i might do a solo speed run of heartland so um it'll depend on how the prep goes on tuesday or in the day but i do want to try that i think it sounds like a lot of fun so you know uh, stay tuned for that but uh, zombie, I appreciate you being here. And if people want to uh, contact you, how can they do so? Um, you can find me on the Discord, um, like Zombie Killer uh, It's on the Discord. You can contact me there, or you can have a game attack on Xbox, which is the exact same as Discord. And you can also find me on yeah. Blazy Stream all the time. Yeah, he's there pretty much every stream. Um, you know, he only misses a few of them, and it's mostly uh some of the night ones he can't stay up for. So because that's like you know. 1, 2 a.m. kind of time for him. Yeah, so. 1 to 5, and then I pass out for one of them, and I actually successfully step for one. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, um, but the day streams, you'll mostly uh, always find Zombie there. Yeah. But I, I do appreciate you uh, being here for the podcast as well, Zombie. So, uh, as far as me, if you guys want to contact me, 
You can do so via email, theblazexperience at gmail.com. You can do so via Discord. That'll be in the show notes. You can do so via Twitter or my Xbox Gamer Tag. That's at Blaze Experience for both. That's capital B L A I S E, capital X P E R I E N C E. So those are the main ways to contact me. I technically have Facebook and YouTube, but I don't use them that often. So if you do contact me on there, um, it's going to be a little bit slower for me to get back to you. Usually uh, Discord or Twitter, I'll get back to you within a couple of days. So it depends how busy my schedule is for those couple of days. But usually Discord and Twitter is the uh, fastest way to contact me. And I can usually respond to everyone within a couple of days. But that's uh, the main way to contact me. If you are listening to the podcast, you obviously already have a way to listen to it. But if you wanted to learn about a different way to listen to it, then it's on Spotify. It's on Stitcher. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Radio Public, it's on Podbean, Blueberry, and many of the directories. So pretty much any directory you can find it on, it'll be there. Uh, if, even if you just type into Google the Blaze Experience, you will find us somewhere. So just uh, type that in and it'll be there. If you are uh, someone that doesn't like apps, uh, I definitely understand if you don't want to have like a lot of apps on your phone or computer or something like that. There is another alternative to uh, get the podcast without using any apps. If you join my Discord, there is a channel in there that is, has uh, direct download links. If you just click on that channel, it's going to be a str- long strew of um, links that are throughout the podcast history. So basically, any link uh, in there is a direct download for any podcast in the podcast history. So this is episode 87, and there were uh, three bonus episodes, I believe. So all 90 podcasts I've ever done are in that channel. Just uh, scroll up for whatever podcast you want, click on it, and it'll download for you. So... That is an alternative if you don't want to have any apps on your phone or computer or something like that. But I do appreciate everyone being here. Uh, Zombie, thank you again for joining us. And I can't wait to have you back when we talk about Borderlands 2. Thank you for having me. Can't wait. And I will see you on stream Sunday as well. And hopefully we see a lot of our audience on there as well. So thank you, everyone. I appreciate you being here. And thank you for listening to The Blaze Experience. (laughs)